I'm looking at the comment section in the live stream, and Joan says, Joan and Mike are listening from Atlanta. So technology is pretty cool sometimes. Hello to both of you, and thank you for joining us. And I'm, glad we, I'm glad you could. And we are praying. We continue to pray for you and Mike and the whole family. We hope Stephanie and the kids are doing well, too. All right. Tonight, we're looking at two Scripture passages, an Old Testament Scripture passage and a New Testament Scripture passage. The first one, Genesis 1, 1 through 2. It's uh, found on page 1 in your pew Bibles. Uh, John 14, verse 15 through 27 is found in your pew Bible on page 1,676. Let's begin the reading with Genesis chapter 1. Before we read, will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, by your Spirit, may the Word come alive to us. May it work in our hearts. May it, Lord, conform us to the image of your Son, renew our minds, that we would have the mind of Christ. And Lord, move us to action, that we may be your people in heart, word, and deed. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Here now the reading of God's holy, inspired, and infallible word, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Turning now to John chapter 14. Bible, page 1,676. Beginning the reading in verse 15. Jesus to his disciples, If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. And do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. Thus far, the... Uh, reading of God's holy word. May he bless it to the hands, hearts, and minds of his people. We're also going to be looking at Article 11 of the Belgic Confession. 
It's in the back of your green Psalter hymnals on page 74. Article 11, the Holy Spirit is true and eternal God, says, We believe and confess also that the Holy Spirit from eternity proceeds from the Father and the Son, and therefore neither is made, created, nor begotten, but only proceeds from both, who in order is the third person of the Holy Trinity, of one and the same essence, majesty, and glory with the Father and the Son, and therefore is the true and eternal God, as the Holy Scriptures teach us. And that's the teaching of the confession that we all believe with the heart and confess with the mouth. Well, uh, these days are good days to be Star Wars fans. If you have ever read or watched any of the Star Wars movies, there is a, uh, something in the Star Wars series called The Force. And uh, The Force, I think, is a very good example of a misunderstanding of the Holy Spirit. Uh, George Lucas takes a lot of um, his influence from various religions. And actually, um, The Mandalorian is a new TV series with, from the Star Wars. And more recently in, a, uh, in, in one of the episodes, uh, there was a moment where uh, one of the, somebody said, uh, the force be with you, and, and, and somebody responded to him, and also with you. And if you're, if you're Christian, then, then you get that, because that's something that we do. We say, may the Spirit be with you. And then the response is, and also with you. It's a very common historical call and response that goes all the way back to the early church. And the Star Wars universe took that in and said, the force be with you, and also with you. Because the force is this sort of nameless, faceless uh, orb of power that uh, all life gets uh, its source from. And that's why these Jedi Knights, they can draw from the force. They can draw power from the force. Um, but it, it's not anything. It's just there. Well, that's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the force. But if you went out on the streets and you asked a bunch of people who claim to be Christians what the Holy Spirit is or who the Holy Spirit is, you'd probably get a lot more Star Wars answers than you would biblical answers. And I say this because for much of my Christian life, I had no functional understanding of the person of the Holy Spirit. And Francis Chan wrote a book some time ago called The Forgotten God. 
Most of my Christian life, all the way up until my 20s, I called the Holy Spirit an it. When you call the Holy Spirit an it, you're saying the Holy Spirit's a force. Tonight I want to talk about Article 11 in the Belgian Confession, and I want us to leave knowing the Holy Spirit is God. It's not the force of God. It's not the power that goes out from God. The Holy Spirit is God. But what's difficult about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit's role in the Trinity is not one in which the spotlight is put on Him. It's much like the sound and light guys that are in the back or the ones that put the uh, music up on the screen, right? Nobody pays attention to them back there until they put the wrong words up, right? Or the sound goes bad. But until then, you don't really pay attention to them. Well, the Holy Spirit, He's like that. He doesn't draw attention to Himself. And so, the revelation of His personhood and His place in the Trinity, it takes time to unravel. Not that it isn't there, that's why. I read from Genesis 1 to show that it's there from the get-go. So we've got three points tonight. God the Holy Spirit is a person. God the Holy Spirit is the work. God the Holy Spirit is in us. So let's look at this first point. God the Holy Spirit is a person. Remember what I said? I said most of my Christian life, I said the Holy Spirit isn't it. The Holy Spirit, it it moves in me. That's wrong. It's an appropriate way to refer to God. Uh, God the Holy Spirit. And uh, I've got those two passages. I'm going to draw on those. Genesis 1 is there simply to inform us. That from the get-go, the Holy Spirit is active. It's part of what's going on. Uh, But for the personhood of the Holy Spirit, I want to examine uh, one particular passage. It's Acts chapter 5. The reason why we're emphasizing the personhood of the Holy Spirit, Article 11 tells us that the Holy Spirit, who in order is the third person, So the personhood of the Holy Spirit um, is something that we believe with our hearts and confess with our mouths. 
And Acts chapter 5 points this out to us. Ananias and Sapphira, the story of those two um, people in the early church who sold a piece of property and they uh, kept some of the money back, but they gave the rest to the church and they said that they gave it all to the church. And there's a confrontation between Ananias and Peter uh, when this was discovered. Peter said, in Acts chapter 5, verse 3, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. So, in this passage, Peter says, You, Ananias, have lied to the Holy Spirit. Then later he says, You've not lied to men, you've lied to God. So there's two things that happens in here, in this passage. The Holy Spirit is called God. But also, Peter says, you lie to the Holy Spirit. You can't lie to an it. You can't lie to the force. A nameless, faceless orb of power. You lie to people. And that's what Ananias did. They lied to the Holy Spirit. A person. They lied to him. But not only is the Holy Spirit a person because of the divine names given to him, um, he's also a person because of divine virtues given to him. In Psalm 139, one of my favorite psalms, um, David talks about how he can't um, go anywhere where God can't find him. Um, verse 7, he says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? So here, the Holy Spirit is, is attributed omnipresence, omniscience, Of course, in the Old Testament, there was uh, a confusion about whether the, the Holy Spirit was a person or whether it was simply the action or the function of God's work. God's, um, but we, we come to discover later, He is a person. And so when we read in Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? God, uh, David is attributing to the spirit these divine attributes, these divine virtues. And then finally, also the Holy Spirit is, is given divine honors. Uh, the baptismal formula in Matthew chapter 29, 28. There isn't a Matthew 29. Carrie, you went to seminary. Why? You should know this. And Jesus came to them and said, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so, we are baptized into the name of the Holy Spirit. Well, you don't give a name to somebody who's not a person. 
If it's an int, it's not a name. So God the Holy Spirit is a person. And Article 11 tells us, in order is the third person of the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Trinity, of one in the same essence, majesty and glory with the Father and the Son. Let's talk about the second point. Work smarter, not harder. God, the Holy Spirit, is the work. And this, this one might be the one that's a little bit more um, confusing, not as specific, but I hope I can make it clear for us. In Article 8 of the Belgian Confession, when it describes the Holy Spirit, the way that they differ in their incommunicable properties... Article 8 says that the Holy Spirit is the eternal power and might. Of God. The Holy Spirit is the eternal power and might of God. And so, in Article 9, it says of the Holy Spirit as well... The Father is called our Creator by His power. The Son is our Savior and Redeemer by His blood. And the Holy Spirit is Sanctifier. There's this phrase, both in Article 8, when it talks about the Holy Spirit, proceeding from the Father and the Son, That's a bit technical, um, but it's important to this understanding of the Holy Spirit being the work of God, the action of God. It happens in Article 8, the Holy Spirit has the eternal power and might, proceeding from the Father and Son. And then also in Article 11, what we're looking at tonight, we believe and confess also that the Holy Spirit from eternity proceeds from the Father and the Son, and therefore neither is made, created, nor begotten, but only proceeds from both. Last week when we talked about the divinity of Jesus, I said something about Jesus' divinity. I said that he's eternally begotten, right? And what that means is um, Jesus has, doesn't have a beginning, even though the way we usually formulate our understanding about the word being begotten is that there is a beginning to that. There is a begottenness. There is a start of begottenness. Jesus is eternally begotten. He's always been begotten. Well, in the same way Jesus is eternally begotten, the Spirit eternally proceeds. Now, when you think of the word proceeds, comes forth, goes out of, spirates out of, you think there's a beginning of going forth. But just like Jesus is the only one that we can say is eternally begotten, that there isn't a beginning to his begottenness, 
The only way that we can describe the Holy Spirit's proceeding is different than any other proceeding that we can think of in creation. That is, when you throw a football, a Nerf football, it proceeds from my hand, right? There's a beginning to its proceeding from my hand. But for the Holy Spirit, he has eternally proceeded from the Father and the Son. He has gone out from the Father and the Son always, without beginning, without end. And this procession of the Holy Spirit is the work of God. And what is the work of God? Well, it's the work of God in creation. Remember, we read Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, we read that right there at the beginning, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. When we look at the Scriptures and we look more at what it means that God spoke things into existence, right? We see the breath of God as the work of the Spirit. When we just sang sang the song, breathe on me, breath of God. When we read about the scriptures, that they were inspired, they were breathed out by God, that's talking about the work of the Spirit. The work of God is the work of the Spirit in creation. But also, not simply in creation, but also in recreation. John chapter 3 cues us into this aspect of God the Holy Spirit as the work. You probably know the story. Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night to talk to him, to ask him who he is, what he's there to do, right? And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he's old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. And then Jesus says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So in the good creation, the Holy Spirit is at work. In the recreation of humanity and the world, the Holy Spirit is at work in his procession from the Father and the Son. His going out from the Father and the Son from all eternity, is the outward work of God in creation and in recreation. And Jesus describes more of the work of God in John 14, the passage that we read today, when he's talking to his disciples about leaving. He said, the Father, he's going to give you another counselor, be with you forever, the spirit of truth. He says, 
the counselor, the Holy Spirit, in whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. He'll go on later to say in, in, in uh, John 16 of the work of the Holy Spirit. I tell you the truth, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come. But if I go, I'll send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe. In regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He'll bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. God, the Holy Spirit, is the work of God. In creation and in recreation. But most importantly, and I think most miraculously and wondrously and mysteriously, and um, it's crazy to think this. And by crazy, I mean crazy awesome. God, the Holy Spirit, is in us. Um, One of the craziest, most amazing things that we read in Article 9 is that the Father is called our Creator by His power, the Son, our Savior and Redeemer by His blood, the Holy Spirit is our Sanctifier, by his dwelling in our hearts. Uh, we talk a lot about Emmanuel in this incarnational season, right? That Jesus Christ came and he tabernacled among us. He was God with us. But when Jesus left and Pentecost came, and the Spirit was poured out, this God with us notion, idea, concept took on a whole new meaning. One of the most wonderful things about confessing with our hearts or believing in our hearts and confessing with our mouths that the Holy Spirit is God is that when we talk about the fact that the Holy Spirit has been poured out and dwells within us, we are saying that God dwells within us. Not the it of God, not the force of God, 
not some nameless, faceless orb of power. God himself has looked upon us, creatures of the dust, who spat in his face. And he has cleansed us, and he has made our hearts his home. There is no God like our God. You look to any other religion on the face of this planet. There is no God that has chosen to dwell within like our God. To be Emmanuel, God with us. Not only with us, In us. Romans chapter 8 talks about the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, and that it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin and sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. And those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. And then Paul, speaking to the church in Rome, to Christians, you, however, are controlled not by the flesh, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. Paul is saying that God the Holy Spirit dwells within you. And so when you begin to think that this battle against the flesh is something you cannot handle, it's something you cannot deal with, it's something you cannot overcome, you have to remember that the God who created the heavens and the earth dwells within you. You need to remember that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives within you and is at work within you to put to death the flesh, the sinful nature, and to live according to the Spirit. And so if you thought you can't handle the flesh, you can't handle the sinful nature in you, you were right. But the God who lives in you can. And He is. And He's promised that the work he has begun in you, he will bring to completion. 
When we read Article 11, the Holy Spirit is true and eternal God, and we say, we believe with our hearts and confess with our mouths that the Holy Spirit from eternity proceeds from the Father and the Son, and therefore neither is made, created, nor begotten, but only proceeds from both, who in order is the third person of the Holy Trinity, of one and the same essence, majesty, and glory with the Father and the Son, and therefore is true and eternal God as the Holy Scriptures teach us, we cannot make that cerebral and arbitrary and theological because what it's telling us about Holy Spirit, that He is true and eternal God, has deep impact because He is the sanctifier who has dwelled within our hearts. He is the comforter and the counselor that Jesus said he would send. That what the Father and Jesus had in communion, we would begin to participate in. That we would be wrapped up in what has gone on for eternity. The perfect communion between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so even though the Holy Spirit is not the force, and even though the Holy Spirit, he does not draw attention to himself, he's like the, the, the song lyrics guys and the sound guys and the light guys in the back, the stage hands during the play, the ones that, that bring out the moving pieces and put them all in place, but they're all dressed in black so you can't see them when the lights are down. He doesn't draw attention to himself. He draws attention to the work. The work of creation, the work of recreation, the work of Christ. He puts the spotlight on them. At the same time, believing and confessing that the Holy Spirit is God should be something that fills us awe and worship and praise and wonder because it means that when we say our declaration of trust every worship service our help is in the name of the Lord Yahweh the creator of the heavens and the earth our help is in the name of God the creator of the heavens and the earth that's the same God who dwells within us the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is working in our hearts, in us. Turning us, changing us, transforming us into the image of Christ. And this is not simply an individual thing. Because when we read in the Apostles' Creed, I believe in the Holy Spirit, a holy Catholic church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Those are all things that the Holy Spirit accomplishes. The true spiritual union of the church, the communion of saints with each other and with God, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, the life everlasting. These are all things that the Holy Spirit applies to us. And works in us.
So not only is this a, something with great personal application, but it's something with great communal church application. Holy Spirit is God. And he's made his dwelling in our hearts. Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you. In your Holy Spirit, you have chosen to dwell within us to conform us to the image of your Son, to renew our minds, to put to death the flesh. Help us, Lord, that we may live in step with the Spirit. That we may live in accordance, not to the sinful nature, but to the Spirit of God that lives in us. And we pray, Lord, that you would work in our lives the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That you would give life to our mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We sing with me, Celebration Hymnal 39.